We're doing a, a series called the DNA series, um, and this is our third week of looking at our actual DNA and what it says. <clears throat> the funny thing is, is that for all this term, it just so happens that I've never been in the service at this point of the service. I've been here at the beginning, and then I've been in that room there. And so it's funny because there's a couple of kids that walked past and went, aren't you coming, Tanya? I'm like, no, I'm not coming today, but I'll be back next week. Just with the timetabling, it just turns out to be that way. Um, but I'm really pleased to be with you guys this morning and to actually share something that is really, really close to my heart. I think of all the DNA statements that we are as a church, there are some that resonate with you more than others. And we want to be a church that encapsulates all of the things that we talk about. We've talked about unity and diversity. We've talked about challenging cultural norms. <clears throat> and today, we're going to be looking at <clears throat> that we want to be a church that is dedicated to love without limits. And I think the reason why this one resonates so closely to me is because I grew up in church. I think my mum would tell you that I was in church sort of like I was born on a Sunday evening and mum was in church that morning. And then the next Sunday I was in church back again. Like I haven't been to church every single Sunday of my life, but that shows you that I have a very rich heritage of not just being in church, but having parents who actually love God and want to follow God. And they have taught me that and I've owned that for myself. But because I've got a speech impediment, like I slur when I talk, as you can probably already have told if you don't know me, I've really struggled with the fact that God created me, but he created me with such an awful voice. And if he created me with such an awful voice, he probably loves everybody and he loves me, but he really doesn't want it much to do with me, was sort of my growing up history. Until I realised that was completely and utterly wrong, and God loves me utterly and completely, and he gave me this voice, who knows why. And it's really funny, because I love to talk, and I think I'm pretty good at explaining things and teaching things, and I spend most of my working life, but also my life in general, talking. So it's a weird thing. Um, but when I realized how much God loves me, it actually changed, it changed my life. And so for some people, it is how faithful God is. For some people, it's the grace that God shows them. There's always something that you're like, boy, that's the thing that like above everything else, love is the thing above everything else that I just still to this day cannot understand why he loves me as much as he does. But I know that he does. And more than I know that he loves me, I actually know that he wants me to love people like he loves me. And that's the kind of church we want to be. We want to be a church that's actually dedicated to not only knowing that God loves us, but to actually be a church that loves like God loves. But to do that, we need to actually talk about what love is. Well, firstly, let's look at this. Romans 12, Romans 13 says, don't let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others have fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other commands there are, there may be, are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbour as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbour. Therefore, love is the fulfilment of the law. 
And if you notice today, all, most of the songs that we sang were all actually talking about love. There was bits in there that talked about, teach me how to love like you have loved me. Break my heart for what breaks yours. There's no mountain he won't climb up, no valley he won't, I'm getting the words wrong, but coming after me. Like reckless love is all about the love that God has for us. And we are actually told, we are commanded to, if you didn't know this already, to actually love like Jesus loves. It says, a new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So we actually must love each other like God loves us. There's no question. We don't actually have an outclose here. We actually have to do it. If we want to be a disciple of Jesus, we actually have to love like he loves. And 1 John says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our life for our brothers and sisters. I just want to make the point that I'm not going to actually talk about the fact that God loves us very much this morning. I'm going to make an assumption that you've all heard that before. And even if you don't believe it, you've heard enough to know that maybe it's true. But I want to actually say that we cannot actually love how God loves if we do not know how much we are loved ourselves. And so if you really struggle like I did for a lot of my early childhood and not realising that you are loved by God, can I please beg you to come and talk to someone after we finish today? Come and talk to me and I would love to talk to you and pray for you and help you to understand that you are absolutely, completely and utterly loved by God. Or if you don't want to talk to me but you know someone else here who you go, oh, I think they know that God loves them, please do not leave here questioning whether or not God loves you because it's not a great place to live. And everything I talk about from here on is on the basis that we know that we're loved by God and so we want to love others how God loves us. The thing I want you to realise now is that Jesus loved without limits. These are some of the people in the Bible that Jesus loved. He loved women. You might think, how amazing is that? But in his day, when he walked on this earth, that was mind-blowing. Because women in the culture that Jesus lived in were like, they were like dogs and women were like closely aligned to each other and dogs were not widely loved like they are here. So women were not highly um, thought of or sought after and Jesus loved them um, utterly and completely. He loved children. He loved the poor. He loved the rich. He loved the outcast. He loved those who hated him. He loved those that were sick. He loved those who betrayed him. For those who only wanted something from him, he loved them. And he loved the unclean. Now, the unclean is a really weird one in our culture. But in the Jewish culture, being unclean was one of the worst things that you could be. And touching someone who was unclean because of the things that they ate or because of the things that were wrong with them made you unclean. And we see time and time again the fantastic um, example of this was when Jesus is walking along and there's a woman who, again, lowest of the low, who's like been bleeding for years and years and years, blood really unclean, and Jesus gets touched by her. 
and he stops everything and he says, who touched me? And the disciples are like, are you crazy? doesn't say, are you crazy? This is the Tanya version. But are you crazy? There's people surrounding you. Like, what do you mean who touched me? And Jesus said, no, I felt some power leave me. And so this woman who was outcast by society, by being a woman and also by bleeding for so long, puts her hand up and says, it was me. And Jesus does this amazingly loving thing and says, daughter. He calls a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years, who is so like the lowest of the low in the society, daughter. I'm acknowledging you. I see you, I love you, and I'm giving you value. That's the kind of Jesus that we want to follow. And that's the kind of Jesus actually loves without putting limits on who he loves. And Jesus actually loves today without limits. The thing is that the person who you think is so unlovable, Jesus loves them just as much as he loves you. The person who you think, the thing that they do, how can anybody love that? And how can anybody love someone who does that? Jesus loves them. And Jesus' grace and mercy and forgiveness is there in a heartbeat, just like it is for us. And we don't like that. But that is how Jesus loves, because he doesn't limit who he loves. But now I want to just I want to like address the question that I'm sure some of you have, which is when you say we want to be dedicated to loving without limits, there are people here who are going to say, "Hang on, if I love without limits, I'm going to burn out. I'm going to get to the point where I just am doing too much." But Jesus didn't actually love in the way that we sometimes think of love. He didn't just do anything that anybody asked him to. He didn't just give himself so much so that he never actually had time to stop and rest and rejuvenate. In Luke, but it tells us often, but in Luke it says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He actually went, okay, I'm going to actually separate myself. I'm going to go do what I need. I'm going to go recharge so I can continue to give out. So loving without limits isn't loving, loving, loving until we die because we're just doing it so much. In Matthew it says, When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. This is the very end of a story of a rich man that says to Jesus, What, should I, what do I need to do to inherit the kingdom of God? And he tells them what to do. And the man says, I've done all that. And Jesus said, yep, but there's one more thing you have to do. You have to sell everything you have. And the man goes away sad because he had great wealth. So Jesus doesn't just tell people what they want to hear. And we sometimes think that being loving means that we always do and always say what people want to hear or people want us to do. Um, my daughter many years ago said to me once when I had said to her that she could not do something that she wants to do and now she's like, what on earth are you talking about, mum? Um, 
So Catherine once said to me, when I have a daughter, I'm going to let my daughter do whatever she wants. If she asks for things, I'm going to give it to her. Whatever she wants to eat, whatever she wants to do, I'm always going to say yes to her. And I said to her, well, when you, if you ever have that daughter and you do that, come and tell me how that goes for you because I don't think it's going to go too well. Now, she's actually matured a bit and Catherine even now sees that when Matt and I say no, when Matt and I actually do things that there are consequences for her actions, she actually realises that we are being loving by doing that. We're not being unloving. And actually, the Bible makes it really clear, and I think my experience makes it really clear, that always doing what someone wants you to do is actually unloving. And Jesus wasn't like that. In Matthew 14, 14, Jesus saw a huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and he healed them. Even though Jesus didn't always give people what they wanted, that for Jesus, loving wasn't always being there and never withdrawing and never recharging. There were actually times when he did things for the benefit of other people and not for the benefit of himself. And this is a perfect example. In Matthew 14, 14, this is what, if you go back up, this is what it says. Later, John's disciples came for his body and buried it. And then they went and told Jesus what had happened. If you keep on reading up in Matthew 14, John the Baptist has just been beheaded. So John the Baptist is one of Jesus' cousins. And he's just found out that not only is his cousin dead, but his cousin's been beheaded, so not a nice way of dying. So the disciples, they went and told Jesus what had happened, and as soon as Jesus heard the word, the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. Jesus wants to grieve. His cousin has been brutally murdered, really. So he's going away to be alone, not even with his disciples, to take some time. A really wise thing to do. But in this moment, when the crowd heard where he was heading, they followed on foot from many towns. And when Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, he had compassion on them and healed the sick. I think sometimes we use the excuse of not loving people because I've got to take some time for myself. And at some points that is true and correct, and Jesus did that. He withdrew by himself. He recovered so that he could continue to give. But there are also times in the midst of Jesus' grief when the heart and love and compassion actually moved him to put aside himself and to think about the others. And he goes on to heal sick people and in the same story he goes on to feed the 5,000. This is the beginning of the well-known feeding the 5,000 story. And so the hard thing is there are times to actually stop and say, I need to say no for the sake of my own so I can continue to give. But there are also times when we cannot use that as an excuse. And we need to give because of the compassion and love that we have for people, even in the midst of our own grief, because that's what Jesus did. To those of you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, then turn to them the other. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Pretty to order of how God wants us to love. And this isn't about people that we like. 
This isn't about our family. Like often we talk about, oh, I need to love my family. But this is talking about your enemy. Think about the person who has wronged you. That's who Jesus says, love them. Do good to them who hate you. That's what our attitude should be. We have to give things to them. When they hit us, we've got to turn the other cheek and say, do you want to do it again? doesn't make any sense. goes on to say, because if you love those who love you, what credit is it to you? It is really easy to love someone who loves you back. Even sinners love those who love them. People who do not know God, that do not have the Holy Spirit, they love people who love them. They love their husbands, they love their kids. In some cases, you say people who are non-Christians, they love in a way that is like beyond sometimes the way that we do. Because they love those who love them. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is it to you? If I give something to you and I know you're going to give it back to me, it doesn't hurt me much. But if I give it to you wondering whether I'll ever see it again, that's really different. Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. So we have a decision to make. What kind of bar do we want to set ourselves when it comes to love? We can love how the world loves, which is I love those who love me and I hate those who hate me and I will lend to those who will give it back to me. But if you're not going to give me back what I've lent to you, well, then I'm not going to lend to you or I'm going to take you to court to make sure I get my money back. But Jesus actually loves without limits. He actually loves without expecting things in return. And if we are his disciples, we have to love like he does. The Bible makes it really clear. If you are my disciples, how would the world know that you are my disciples? It's because of the love that we have for one another. But what kind of love is that? That is a love like God loves. And God loves without limits. So what actually stops you from loving without limits? Have a think about it. Because none of us do this perfectly. So what stops you from loving like God loves? I've come up with some ideas. For some, it's like you might be thinking it's really hard. It's just too hard. For others, I actually don't want to. Really simple. When it comes to when I've been being really, really honest and I may not actually tell anybody this, but I actually do not want to love without limits. I want to love and be loved in return. I've tried and it makes no difference. I've loved that person and I've loved them completely and it made no difference so I'm not going to do it again. I've had enough. I don't know how to. I don't know how to love someone and continuing to love. So I don't know how to, so I don't. I'm scared. I'm actually scared of what it's going to cost me, what it's going to do to me if I actually love the way that God loves. I need to be loved. Tanya, you're talking about love without limits. I'm hoping everybody else is listening. And I hope that I'm the receiving end of that love because I need to be loved. And so I'm expecting this week to be loved. So instead of actually thinking about what we can do, we actually think about what we need and what we want. And we all need to be loved. But Jesus doesn't say, once you've been loved enough, then go love other people. He actually asks us to love because of the way that he has loved us, not because of the way other people loved us. So start thinking about how you could love others, not expecting others to 
Love you. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired of loving. I'm tired of giving. I'm tired of always being about someone else. I don't have time. I'd love to. I'd love to love other people better. Just don't have time to. Busy with other stuff. Can I tell you that all of these things are true? If you're going to love like Jesus loves, it's actually really hard. To love someone and not be loved back is hard. You do get tired. You do think it makes no difference. There will be a time where you feel like you need to be loved and I wish that people would love me. We have a saying in our family that we taught our kids from when they were young and we say to them, we're a family that tries to think about others. And so often when we're making decisions and talking to our kids, especially when they were younger, we would say, well, well, Dad isn't here at the moment because he's thinking about others and in helping blah, blah, blah. Or I'm going to think about others and because I'm thinking about others, I am doing this. And their question was a very honest question, but Mum, if I'm always thinking about others, who thinks about me? And we said to them, that's the problem that we have. If everybody only wants people to think about them and no one thinks about others, it doesn't actually work. But if you can think about others and others can think about you, then hopefully we all actually feel loved, we all feel supported. And if that doesn't happen, we've got God. And God loves us completely and utterly. And it's his love that can actually compel us, the Bible actually tells us, to actually love others. But I don't want to tell you that loving others and loving without limits is easy. I don't want to tell you that it's not going to cost you anything. I don't want to tell you that, that it, you know, just do it for a bit and give it a try and you'll find out that it's the best thing in the world. But what I do want to tell you is we are actually commanded to live this way. And so if we're going to be a disciple, we need to take up our cross and we need to follow Jesus. And that actually requires sacrifice. It actually requires to be other-focused. It actually requires to love without limits. And we want to be a church that does that. And the advantage of being a church that loves without limits and not just an individual is that hopefully we can all actually support and encourage each other as we love without limits. That's what I found. When you try and love without limits and you're at the end of your rope, you actually have people when you're in community that gets around you and supports you by helping you out, by praying for you, by encouraging you. Like that's actually how it works because that's God's design. But it's not easy. And if we want to be a church, we want to be a church that loves without limits, not because it's easy, but because it's right. Because it's what God says to do. It's what God does for us. And it's what the world actually needs to see. The world needs to see a love that isn't based on you love me, I love you, and we're all a big happy family. But a love that says even when you hate me, even when you do wrong towards me, even when this is not what I want to be doing, I'm still going to love you. Even when it's hard. Even when it makes no sense, I'm going to love because that's what Jesus asked me to do and that's what he does for us. But the good thing is that Jesus makes it really clear that his burden is light and his yoke is easy. And so that means that he can actually give us the strength that we need to continue to love when it gets hard. And that has been my experience. My experience has been when I'm at the end of my rope and I don't know what to do, God's spirit kicks in and I can continue to give 
even though I don't want to, even though it's hard, because the Holy Spirit is actually at work and he's the one that makes the burden light and the yoke easy. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So the love we're talking about is actually not a love that we have to find within ourselves. It's a love that actually comes from God. And so all we're doing is giving out of what God has given to us. All we're doing is relying on his love for people and showing them how God loves them. So this isn't the good thing is we don't have to make up that we love people. We actually just have to say, hey, God, help me love. We love because he first loved us. So if we do not know God's love, as I said before, this is going to be really, really hard. Like not only is that hard normally, but it's going to actually be impossible. The only way this is possible is because we know that God loves us and we love out of his love. So I don't know about you, but I know that I want to be a person who is dedicated to love without limits. That I don't just do it every now and then. That I just don't do it when it's easy and when it's convenient. But that I actually live a life where I love those that can't give me anything in return. That I love those who hurt me. That I continue to love even when I'm tired and even when it makes no sense. Because that is how God loves And the world will know that we are his disciples if we have love for one another. And that love is not a gooey love. That love is not a, oh, I'm so happy and pleased that you are here and I cannot wait to see you and I get all butterflies whenever you walk in the room. It's a love that, if anybody knows a band called DC Talk, very old, there's a band called DC Talk and they they do a song and and the song's called Love is a Verb. And it basically... like the whole idea is that that is actually true. Love is a verb. Love is a doing word. It's actually us saying, I'm not going to, it doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter what you do. Because I know God loves me, I want to love like he loves because I'm a disciple of Jesus. And Jesus says that the world will know that I'm his disciple because of the love that I have. But it actually starts here. If we can't love the people in this room, God, How are we going to love people that actually don't even believe in a God? So I want you to think about it for a moment. Is there someone that belongs to the Catalyst community that you find it hard to love, that has actually hurt you, that may just, whenever you see them, you hope that they don't come and sit next to you or talk to you? If someone comes to mind, and if someone doesn't come to mind, great. But if someone comes to mind... Can I say that's where it has to start? It has to start with you restoring that relationship. It has to start with you loving that person even though they have hurt you. It may even start with you having to actually tell the person that you were hurt and confront it and have a conversation so that you can move on. If there is someone who caused Catalyst home that you don't actually want to love, can be anybody but them, can I suggest that this week you spend some time praying, you spend some time confessing that, you spend some time asking God what he wants you to do, and then the hardest part, you actually go do what he says. Because with unity is pointless 
Well, it's really hard if we actually are not loving each other. And we cannot love and expect to be able to love those who are distant from us if we cannot even love those who are close to us. For those of you who nobody came to mind and you're like, yes, I'm good. Nobody's come to mind. Your job this week is to say, hey, God, who do you want me to love? It doesn't have to be within this community. But this week, how can I show someone the love that you have? How can I show them that no matter what they do, no matter who they are, that they are actually loved? And ask God to show you how to love them. And the great thing is that because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, this is not something that is impossible. This is something that is really real and really possible. But it's possible when we rely on who he is and his love and not try and do it out of our own strength. I'm going to pray. Hey, God, I want to thank you that you love us completely. And I want to pray first and foremost, God, that if there's anybody in this space that questions your love for them, that that will end now, God. That they will realise that God loves them completely and utterly. That it doesn't matter what has made them think that God doesn't love them, but it's actually not true. That God's love is complete and that God loves them. I pray, God, that out of our understanding of your love for us and how much you love us, that we'll be able to love people, God. I pray for those who this week are going to be spending some time praying and thinking and restoring relationship, God. I pray for grace and I pray for mercy and I pray for your insight into those situations, God. Lord God, we are so not there yet. We are not fully a church that loves without limits, God, but we so want to be. So I pray that you'll help us, God. Open up our eyes to see people, the people that we just walk past and ignore, the people in our own lives that we need to love the way that you love. I pray that you'll give us the courage and the strength um, and the wisdom as we do that, God. Amen. Um, for those who don't know, every January we go to, or there's a group of us that go um, on a camp called Southern Cross Kids Camp. It goes for a week in January. Um, 